You are listening to Thursday Nights, Season 4, Episode 115. to a very special episode of Thursday Nights. This is our first episode, uh, first, I guess we could call it the COVID, first COVID-19 episode. Uh, we are not playing in person for the first time in Thursday Nights history. We are playing uh, using Discord, uh, voice chat over the internet, and playing with a virtual tabletop called Tabletop Simulator. So we are not, uh, we are not gathered in person, keeping our social distancing on. And uh, but that's not going to stop us from playing Dungeons and Dragons, of course. So uh, tonight's episode will obviously sound very, very different um, as people are just using whatever microphones they had at home. So bear with us through uh, our growing pains of using this new tool uh, and getting used to uh, how it works to, to let people have their turns when you're doing voice-only play. Uh, so without further ado... North West, which is up and left on the map, of the strange living fog forest. Our heroes, Bairn. Oh, God. You don't have your standees with the names in front of you. I depend oh on my those. God. Hang on. Oh, I named man. my Titan. I named my Titan. I am Ray. Oh, there you go. Uh, so, name your Titan. Bairn, Scrimcorn. Drewston, Oilvane, Aurora, Bearjaw, Mock, and the four members of the Hands of Ale plus their steward, might we call him? Uh, their, their traveling companion, Ted, are camped out uh, in a Good nice word. clearing in a small, you wouldn't even call it a forest, right? It's more like a grove, uh, an outcropping of trees uh, in a nice clearing amidst an outcropping of trees uh, where you have set your camp and they have been discussing all through the day for what to do next uh, before the septicemia arrive and a decision has been made and the call has just been put in the sending has just been put in to Essen who is with Grumbar aboard Snowbane's Gift uh, waiting at a jump spot, they had uh, they had anticipated the need for a rapid arrival and have been camped out uh, at a spot where the sort of where the arcane weave uh, has a unique property that the that the magic of Snowbane's gift, the air balloon, uh, can draw upon to teleport, albeit not always completely accurately, uh, but it can uh, teleport. And the order uh, Baron had sent the message to Essen saying. We're willing to take the risk. <laughs> We're willing to take your risk um, and uh, bring the gift. We need it because the plan is to take it to head on over to the Black Spire, a uh, a place that you really know nothing about other than... Uh, oh, hang on, guys. Don't... Whoever... Don't put stuff on the uh, this green green bag over here. It's my private oh, sorry. stuff. Oh, uh, sorry. I'm just pulling up the uh, the world map right here. So the Black Spire is uh, over here in the 
Lake of Mists, which is right next to where you guys came out from uh, the Underdark. So this Black Spire, all that you know about it is that it is a uh, is it is a ruins of some sort. Drustin has uh, run across it in his. Oh, whoops, uh, Drustin has run across it in his research and his writings, I, but really nothing. Go ahead. No, just agree. I. I. Oh, I. That I. I. Uh, I. A Y E. But he really but knows even nothing. More importantly, even more importantly, yes. Grimcorn, who knows the septicemia, felt this was the place to engage. Oh yeah, yeah that was if they Grimcorn's call. at us flying that may be less powerful in terms of might and spell ability. And there theoretically won't be uh, natural plant growth. I would never presume thing. to know the mind of Scrim or why he decides what he does. But he was the decider and this Black Spire sounded fucking bitchin'. <laughs> that, so, that is fine by me. The order has just been placed, and Essen has responded, okay, we'll see you, hopefully, one way or another, in a couple hours. That's how long it took uh, to activate last time, at least. And now... Hopefully Essen is as good as Dresden when it comes to uh, arcane shenanigans. <laughs> that is... He uh, is. He's very good. That is a good question. Jerusalem's so probably got a lower Arcana score than, uh, than Essen. Now you have a couple hours until you would expect Snowbane's gift to arrive in some fashion. Call it you know to check in in two hours um, because they can't contact you so you'll probably need to want to send them another sending to find out what the status is. Uh, is anyone doing anything in particular during those hours? Let's just do a quick once around the table of... Uh, Let's do a, a group therapy, really. You've uh, you've called for the gift. You've you've set a plan. You now have a plan for the septicemia coming. This has been... Well, it's not been a long time coming because you only had 10 days warning of this attack, but it's been days of travel as you uh, as you considered this. So we'll start with... Uh, who's ready? Scrimcorn's ready. Um, Scrimcorn, go. Scrimcorn uh, is in... I mean, he's got crazy stuff coming up. And, you know, he's, he's, he's stressed, but he... His confidence is is up because we've had some big victories. You know, I think he... I'm trying to remember if we... I don't think we've actually had a chance to talk much, but uh, getting out of the elevator... No, that's true. We had a little a group session in the uh, Brickstone. Yeah. but um, And also the uh, the beaver stew. Yes, uh, that's a good point. Okay, so we've had, we've had some downtime, but uh, basically the most recent thing of, of the group having his back... Uh, both in the decision to go to Black Spire and uh, when he's been talking to the the Hands of Ao. Um, when we first encountered the Hands of Ao, uh, the group, the, the, the party members did not rush to Scrimcorn's defense because the Hands of Ao kind of raised some questions that they themselves maybe had. Um, and they're kind of like, hey, I'm glad these guys are asking this stuff. And Scrimcorn, like, it would be plain on his face to see that he noticed that this time around when Scrim's like we're going after the septicemia and the hands of Ao started started going out so started uh, antagonizing Scrim uh, the group kind of jumped to his defense saying he's on our side we're we are we're aligned on this so if you guys want in on this fight it's on it's on our terms and uh, so he's so so he was kind of touched by that and that kind of increased his like his family there's been a growing kind of family connection to the to the uh 
facets of fate. And, uh, yeah, so he feels he, he's, he's, we've got some big stuff ahead of us, but he's never really had this close connection to a group. So there's a, there's a, not a spring in his step, but he's like, there's a determination with confidence. And I'll just go ahead and flip. All right. Let's just, uh, let's go around the table then, uh. We keep doing counterclockwise for some reason, so let's just keep doing that. Oh, okay. Houston. I really thought you were going to say, we keep doing counterclockwise, so let's go the other way. Drewston <laughs> um, kind of feels like he has escaped death in a way. He uh, he totally thought he was going to die in Deep Mascar. He thought he was going to die on that elevator. He thought he was going to die in that forest. He almost did. And... Each step he takes now back in the world feels very new and fresh. Now, you spent the last 15 plus years obsessing over this question of what Adric's kind of conspiracy, what the secret was, and now he knows. And he kind of feels like he has succeeded in his quest. Even if he dies, the other dwarves will carry on this mission of saving dwarfdom. So this thing with the Septicemia coming, he's, he's almost kind of uh, fearless in a way. He's like, yeah, let's let's go to a, a ancient tower in the middle of the lake, whatever we'll find there. You know, I know ruins, I'll help out. Let's fight these, you know, uh, uh, scions of the witch, whatever. Let's just take it on. And he's kind of almost like uh, giddy in the fact that he's just alive and he's solved the biggest mystery of his life. Little, little bear jaw influence. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oil vein. Um. So. Yeah, oil vein. He's uh. He felt pretty good after the encounter in the misty forest. Uh. He. He was able to contribute. Like uh. You know. He say he helped save Baron. You know. He uh. Was able to move around. Uh. You know. Do a lot of damage in a good way. Uh, to help everybody escape. And so he's feeling pretty good right now. He's glad that... Uh, I think this is like, yeah, kind of in line with what Scrim's feeling. It's like this is kind of the first time where it's like we kind of all know for sure that uh, like we're all looking in the same direction. We're all on the same side. And not that, you know, maybe he was like the last person that would have had certain doubts like that, but he, uh, I think he feels it even more now that that's the case, that we're all kind of focused on the same objective um yeah so he's he's uh he's looking at that black spire in the distance with uh the spyglass and uh, <laughs> he's also trying to ignore ted and he's also occasionally out of the corner of his his non-spyglass eye he's checking out that uh that drow that drow lady <laughs> yes <laughs> yes seems to prefer the distance okay <laughs> Moving at a safe, a safe distance. So, social distance. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Caitlin, bear jaw. Uh, everything's going great, guys. This is fantastic. Um, first thing we've got is the septicemia. Finally, going to deal with that. It's always great when you can like count on the fact that they're going to show up at a specific like time. That's really nice. Uh, and they're out of the dark 
dungeon, also really nice, back in nature. Um, but th we're gonna, yeah, explore a little like less natural place. But there's gonna be a sky, so that's still fine. Um, and yeah, the idea of being able to face down your enemies or the people who are like literally gonna try to kill you um, personally, you, Bearjaw. Um, it, it, that's a satisfying feeling. So she's feeling pretty pumped about that. Um, also, secondary point of pumpness. I'm gonna gonna be able to talk to Deja soon, hopefully, because mm. um, that's another little point of contention that uh, Bear does kind of rolling around in her very uh, uh, identity question brain happening. Um, you know, because it's like Deja kind of killed a version of mm -hmm. Bearja, yeah. but it's like not really her. So she has like, it's kind of like being offended on someone else's behalf, but that someone else is also you. So, so there, kinda so like that should that. be, that should be interesting. Um, so yeah, so she's just, she's just little, little amped up, a little pumped, a little ready to throw down, um, you know, at a moment's notice so i'd say that's uh that's kind of her vibe hmm. all right <clears throat> muck is uh, I mean, there's uh, on the one hand it is it continues to be great challenge after stressful situation after great challenge after stressful situation and he we, he continues to face down this next one with the context of a curse so devious and kind of so targeted at the root of you know kind of his his identity that it's it's it, it's hard to say that he's in any sort of kind of really reflective frame of mind at the same time you know it's been enough time and maybe with a few days of relative-ish you know kind of pause uh, as they rode the the lift uh, to the surface um he has uh he has been able to like he's been able to realize and acknowledge to himself that there have been significant changes to the group you know he 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 does see his relationships you know with with all of his traveling companions in in through through the lens of of kind of assets on the battlefield as well as relationships you know for his life and he thinks kind of tactically in that mindset and and through that lens he sees that there have been great changes amongst everyone in the group um you know scrim uh you know at the at the very kind of in the in the the, the recent history here the the immediate term you know has been really strongly deferred to by mock to like hey like make this right decision he trusts scrim as another leader and someone who can like make make calculated moves and that it's best to defer to that you know and in many times um he sees drustin who is aging you know before his very eyes even though not a lot of time is passing like the maturity of making strong errors as mock sees it in his judgment with, with with many of the things that happened in in diva mascar but see him also press forward and kind of like kind of realize a new identity is significant like seeing oil vein go from someone who's so young and laissez-faire and you know largely incompetent on the battlefield is what his first impression of oil vein was <laughs> to a very real asset and someone who has 
Yeah, again, I, he saved Baron's life a moment ago, but not only did he save him, it was kind of like there was a wink and a nod, and, and like you got this as someone who is very competent and has been instrumental in doing um, some very kind of high level and impactful kind of successes on the group. Um, and then, of course, Bearjaw, who has gone from pretending to be a god to actually being a lot of one, um, <laughs> you know, is, is, is significant as well. Um, and then he himself, too, uh, you know, not totally without, you know, self-awareness, you know, sees himself mostly going from someone who has been doing it all for himself to over time really feeling like he was in the Iron Guard of, of, uh, um, of Citadel Adbar, where he is seeing his confidence and his place in this unit um, be something effective like that. And, you know, feeling less like, we'll see if I come out, we'll see if I come out of this, but feeling more like, we'll see if we come out of this. And so there's just been some of that realization of his kind of relationships and as people grow. And, you know, there, there is just this heavy kind of cutting theme of fate, which is just sitting right in the middle of all of it, which still kind of looms so large for him. But, um, you know, it's, it's just been... It continues to be so much uh, in, in, in so short a time. Um, and I would say, like, the one fact that probably just really smooths it over with him is that he found an awesome pet. And Betsy's been really, <laughs> really nice to keep his nerves just like, ah. And speaking um, of which. Uh, uh, there say one oh, more there we go. Thank you. There's your um, roulette mini. Thank Very you, man. Uh, on a small mm-hmm. side note, I know I've waxed long mm-hmm. here, but I don't want to lack the acknowledgement. On a side note, he still can he he he, he acknowledges the efforts of Aurora. He acknowledges those the efforts, but he doesn't acknowledge her on the oh, level she's that not he here either. that he knows not on the level that he knows that she desires. Um, and there hasn't been a specific interaction of this, but this is more for the group that like she hasn't met whatever level Mock seeks in terms of being what she seems to be asking for, and. He, he allows her to str- continue to strive for that in his eyes. Excellent. Thank you, Eric. And, uh... Uh, Baron. Baron. Uh, Baron had a close-ish brush with death recently, yesterday, in the, you know, <laughs> timeline of all this oh, going. Oh, shit. Sorry, dude. I, I didn't mention Baron has turned into much more of a close confidant than he was before. Um, hmm. That relationship has strengthened. I meant to go all the way around the circle. Um, Baron has become the most trusted member of the party for Mach by far, and mm-hmm. someone who he relies on for his kind of deepest concerns. Sorry, hmm. that was it. Groovy. Appreciate it. Um, no, uh, Baron had his close brush with death, and compared to his, his last, I guess, death, where he actually like died and was revived by Morden... That one kind of felt like just sort of between him and his god, where this one, last one, sort of connected him more to the group because Oilvane saved him, and then Oilvane saved him again after Mock attempted to save him. And so <laughs> this was... Uh, uh, he he he's, he's finds himself, you know, concerned his own mortality and all these other, like, obvious concerns, but also just feeling closer in this whole idea of the facets of fate and being together as a group. Like, that at one time seemed maybe a little ridiculous is now seeming, you know, more like a thing. Um, and he expresses, you know, directly verbally to 
uh, oil vein, preferably around where the uh, I forget where the, where the drow paladin can hear. He says, "You know, oh. oil vein. Ah, uh, my life was on the line, and you were there to save me twice. So appreciated." <laughs> <laughs> Oil vein, uh, just so you know, he blushes black. So, <laughs> yeah. that's evil thing. Um, and uh, and with that kind of thought of the group, his thoughts are now turning towards Scrimcorn. Like uh, his friend is now kind of at this crucible moment of uh, of will he or will he not, and how how will this deal with his relationship with his deity and uh, and the whole septicemia, and so his. The, the prayer in his heart towards Morden is, uh, help me help my friends. Help me help my, my friends, specifically Scrimcorn. Um, Dang. So, yeah. that That's where Baron's at. Aurora. Aurora, like many others in the group, is also finding herself. Upon returning to the surface, it's you can't help but reflect on where you've been the last month, but not, I don't mean physically, just where the mind has been and where her place in the group has been. And this journey into Deepa Mascar has represented, uh, it's represented a, a very big step for her in feeling accepted by the group. Scrimcorn's gesture of adding her to his staff. You did do that, right? Yes. Almost yes. positive. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just, just double checking. Little frog. Um, the little frog. Little frog. Yes. Um, dart frog. That that was one more a bit of a more grandiose gesture, um, but she's been feeling it she's been feeling it from much of the group. Uh, she knows that Mock expects more of her. Um, and she has found herself, even even when training, even when uh, spending the evenings practicing, she's approaching others and telling them, "Let's drill on this," and they're doing it with her. She's she's driving decisions, even as little as how we're going to train today. It means a lot to her. She's been a follower for the first while on this journey and she's starting to feel more of an equal um and much of her thoughts dwell on this to more or less sort of avoid the anxiety of when the thoughts start turning to the septicemia and i mean you guys are all the most powerful adventuring party she has ever seen certainly That's uh, right. and yet you needed to call help from the second most powerful uh, party that she's ever seen and no one really knows the full breadth of what's going on here and you know the 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 planning calling it grasping at straws is too uncharitable but you know it's like everything's on the table because because so much is at risk and uh she's just trying to avoid thinking about that sticking to her drills sticking to what she knows and what she can control And the hours Was Ted thinking? I'm not going through nope. all the hands of AO. Fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, but they are each in their own ways. Um, they are each in their own ways, uh, sort of sitting, preparing. You know, people aren't sharpening their blades for the fight because the fight's not coming today. It's not coming for like 
four days. Pretty sure. Looking to Dan. Dan's yeah. my Dan's my timekeeper. Um. Yeah. It's four what days. Was it? it was positive. eight days. Yeah. 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 Um. Four days. So it's it's four days until the actual fight's going to happen. But there's there's a lot of there's a lot of conversation between the hands of ale and moving around and discussing with uh, you know talking to each of you as they uh, are each kind of getting a bit more comfortable. Bogrush uh, invites whoever is willing to uh, to do combat drills with him. Uh, he clearly his way of getting comfortable with a group is fight them. I can imagine one person who's probably uh, who's probably up for that. Up for that, and uh, it's not just Bearjaw. <laughs> Aurora's there with her. As soon as he offers, she gets up from organizing her gear and uh, and heads on over, shadow spike in hand, uh, ready to ready to take it head on. Does Mock partake? He's the most other martial person we have around. Uh, he's he's always happy to participate in drills, but is. At, at the ripe old age of 140 years, like in his mind, the drilling's been done. That's going to be, and mm. prefers le- leans towards spending time with Scrim, with Edith, um, talking about the decisions to be made, the preparations to be made. Um, but uh, but he doesn't. And be, to be clarified, he doesn't feel act at all aloof of drills, and he definitely participates to get limber. Um, but the fervor that maybe Aurora brings of like learning to of like I, I need to learn as much as I can before the fight, and maybe Bearjaw, who's just like relishes and glories in the effort, um, that's not there for him. This is more just kind of like let's get limber uh, and execute. Awesome. And the Snowbane's gift. I'm gonna need a die roll for this one. So none of you are partaking in making this a more likely or less likely success. You all know that the the jump is risky. Uh, it came with uh, it yeah. came with risk when you activated it, and uh, it went through a strange place. Strange faces were seen during the journey, and it didn't pop you out exactly where you aimed it at. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of skill and uh and finesse in figuring out how to uh how to use this and there's a lot of risk involved so what we're gonna do is uh i'm gonna call for just a roll uh this is a d20 roll it's like a death um, saving throw i'll it's, roll it's kind of like a death saving throw what this is it's it's a it's a gradient Get it, Kevin. It, it's a it's a gradient of what happens um mm-hmm. and so there's not a there's not a goal it's going to jump uh but how dramatic uh, we could say is how low the roll is. Let's get the Titans off here. So a twenty would be high drama. A twenty would, would be, be low drama. A, a twenty would be a, a would be a success. So, you know, it would be very, okay, okay. very, very good. Right. Was a, smooth, a smooth trip. All right, you guys ready? Is there a roll that would represent like this. terrible things happening? Seventeen. Uh, that's Seventeen. Great. 17. That's, that's pretty good. Nicely done, Kev. My Definitely in the upper four. Die. 17. So, oh, I should have used my inspiration. <laughs> that now you as the can. as the time approaches for the expected jump time, they are asking a lot of questions too. Edith, uh, especially, is uh, she's she's spends a lot of time talking to Drewston. So, how does this how does this air balloon of yours work? 
and, uh, and other such questions as, uh, as the time approaches, uh, especially focusing on how much time is it going to take before it gets here because uh, they want to be on the lookout. So after about an hour... Do, real quick, just go ahead. asking that, They're, are they coming off as impatient? Like, they, they have so much swagger. Them keeping asking about how long it's going to take, does it come off at all as anxious about the situation? Yeah, what's um, an insight check here? Well, go ahead and give it an insight roll. Let's see how much you can peek into the uh, the, the, the the inner mind. I'm happy to uh, happy to I'm get that do an insight check too. Let me just get my dice cup out here. Dan's rolling with a dice cup. Okay, <laughs> we get this. We shake it around, <laughs> flip it, and <laughs> oh, no. say five. <laughs> We're on close quarters. I kind of want to roll one too. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was actually asking you. You were. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you, oh, just, yeah. you asked for it. Oh, oh. that was so close. I uh, like that the low grav makes so it floaty. roll slowly. So that's uh, plus eight, so oh, twenty-two. Shit, you have good insight. Beautiful. Um, that wisdom, man. Yeah, um, Baron senses. Uh, Baron senses all business here. There's, there's. What he senses is, he sees that they are putting forward a face of all business, but there is an air amongst them that is, uh, this is a big deal for them. Th- their whole charge is the witches. And from what they've told you, this septicemia on the go, I mean, this is why they were following them here. And this is an opportunity, perhaps unlike they've ever faced before. This would be like capturing your opponent's queen in chess. Yeah, this is there's a lot at stake here. Um, they, what you what you get is that they're not afraid of dying. They're not afraid of losing the fight. They're afraid of uh, they're afraid of not striking a blow against the witches. They're they're mm. thinking about their charge, their charge to their gods by proxy to Ao. Uh, Baron can empathize. He was feeling similar fears as he was near death the other day. Right. It's like they have one and shot and they don't want to miss that shot. Yeah, Baron Baron can see it. They've got the, uh, the, exactly. This is their shot. They've been waiting however many years they've been doing this for this type of opportunity to come up. And uh, they don't want to screw it up. And so when they're asking these questions, it's about gaining information, understanding. How does it work? When's it going to get here? Like every like, they want to know what about it. They want it. Bogrash is fighting, and he's not running drills to practice. He's running drills to understand how you fight, how you think. Mm. You're going to be fighting on the same side. He assessing wants to your allies. He's assessing his allies. This is they are they are preparing in a way where everything is on the line here, mm. and. Uh, and that's what he's getting from them. And so when Edith is asking, when is it going to be here? It's because she takes the hands of Ao, along with whoever else comes. They clear the forest line. They want to see the whole grassy, uh, the whole grassy landscape to see if they can see it appearing, if it happens to appear close enough. And sure enough, as uh, I assume everyone heads out there, most likely. Yeah, I mean, uh, Baron's certainly curious. As soon as I'm done kicking this orc's ass... Can we get a roll on that orc ass kicking? Oh, of course we can. That's a roll off, I guess. Bogrush. Oh yeah, because we specifically found a little 
group of. Oh. Ooh. What'd you get? A 19? 19, oh babe. You got a 14. Uh, right. Enjoy that black eye. When Edith says, it's time it's to. It's a black eye. Uh, it's time to be on Highly the lookout. Visible. And Bogrush, uh, right when she says that, is when. Uh, is when Bearjaw just gets a nice elbow check right into his jaw, which knocks him to the ground. And he just <laughs> spits out some blood and just says, I think we can do this. And uh, with a smile on his face as he gets up, she, holsters his uh, she, weapons. She offers him a hand up. Uh, he looks for a second and then takes the hand. Good. <gasps> she, she actually pulls him up. She, she Friends. And uh, oh. so everyone heads to the to the edge of the forest here and waits 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. And then the light. Well, how am I going to describe this? The uh, as you're each scanning sort of the horizon, just anticipating this wait, you know, Baron's got the, the timeline. In another half hour or so, you're gonna give uh, give Essen a call, find out, you know, did they successfully jump? Um, right. And that's when, right there, in the grassland, in the clearing, you can see the grass almost pulls in to a singular point, as if all the grass and air, and uh, you can see bugs and a bird in the air gets sucked inwards into <laughs> a single point. And then, as if in an explosion, you see light, and uh, and and then a a slam of sound hits you. Uh, a moment later, as you see, right there where there was nothing a moment ago, stands a great air balloon. Two uh, big balloons flanking an oversized uh, an oversized carriage. <laughs> yes. Mark exclaims, a, a he's elated to friend. see them. Uh, Baron cast light on his shield to sort of what? indicate our location. The the painting on the front shows yeah, the Hammer of All Souls bashing Bogresh in the eye. Uh, <laughs> what just it, happened? The, the, well, it, it's, uh, I like it, but it does display yesterday's activity. So it is the uh. giant. I can't wait oh, to follow giant yes! in the misty forest. Oh. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, as, as the hammer is striking the fog giant covered in fog all around. You can barely even see the hammer in the uh, in the painting. But you're right, the painting is still there, strapped to the front of Snowbane's gift. It's specifically what the hammer was doing that was most cool, right? Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. Or is it? <laughs> well, uh, that's a good question. The line yes, between hammer Grumbar, and Did you arrive safely? Uh, you yell across the plains. They are they're they're pretty far away, so everyone just uh, runs on down there. Mock as... pulls out a horn and blows it as hard as he can, just trumpeting across the uh, the open expanse. <laughs> as your as Mock is riding Betsy, I assume uh, across the expanse. Everyone else uh, probably lagging just slightly behind as uh, he had compared to Betsy. Mock is or Baron is not, is lagging considerably. <laughs> yes, I think uh, Bearjaw hardly at all, if any. Yeah, I think Bearjaw can basically keep I up. I have forty feet. 
And uh, you see Grumbar standing on the balcony, waving his turtle arm uh, at you as you approach. He's just staying out there waving the whole time as you're coming. Uh, you get close enough, you see a big old smile on his face. He is clearly happy to see all of you. And our family. Uh, <laughs> you get an earshot, and uh, and Grumbar yells down and says, "Oh, I guess it worked." <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> How was the shooting is ever? Did you see another giant face made of clouds? It says, Oh, no face made of clouds this time, but we did seem to go through a lot of fire. Essen is repairing something downstairs. Oh, goodness. Oh, I wonder if it passes through a different plane each time. Plane of air, plane of fire, and such. Grumbar shrugs and says, that would be cool. <laughs> and uh, Grumbar, yes. Grumbar climbs down the ladder, which is how you get up in Snowbane's gift, and, uh, and says, oh, I am glad to see all of you. And he says, oh, and you have your friends, as he looks to the hands of Ao. Muck says, oh. Much to do, much to discuss. Let's all get aboard and plot a new course. No time to waste here. He says, Oh yes, oh yes, we're in a hurry. And he climbs back up the back ladder. Back up the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, uh, it's a beautiful sight. The place has changed a bit. Hmm. Some redecorating. Uh, some artwork. Do we have windows again after we exploded them all at the fucking centaur fight? The windows are back. Uh, oh. Nice ah. fitted glass windows uh, have filled. And, and Grumbar says, he gestures. So he gestures when you come in and he says, uh, we repaired the windows and did a little redecorating. Uh, got quite busy while you were all gone for a while. Had no idea how long it would be until you got back. No apology on that whatsoever from anyone. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we didn't either. He says, well, we would like to hear everything that went on. And uh, says, but in the meantime, where are we off to? A terrifying battlefront. Uh, a terrifying location called the Black Spire. Uh, sorry, why am I not doing the scrim voice? It's the remote <laughs> thing. <laughs> the remote, it's hard. I'm having a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> A terrifying place called the Black Spire. We know very little about it. Mark says, <clears throat> time to break open the reserve ales and fill everyone in. Is oh yes, oh yes, we've got some barrels of ale down below too. We knew you would be wanting that. Mm, oh, be we could really have a conversation. He says, Oh, conversation! I almost forgot. Is Essen has a surprise for you? Oh dear. What? And uh, you hear the voice from down below as you sing, "Great Scott!" <laughs> How do I? Yeah, the Elginasi is still alive. Is His Daisy is alive. Is that them? Are they here? Get Mock down here. Interesting. Mock's dropping down. He's like. Your prediction of the date to your date to die makes no sense, but you're still alive, so the bet remains in place. 
referring to the bet they made about whether or not he was right about his knowing his day of death. Mock never took kindly to that uh, that fact and didn't believe <laughs> it outright. <laughs> Essen just shrugs like he knows he's going to win that bet. And... He does. <laughs> <laughs> and he will. But Mock is sure, sure that he won't. And uh, he says, took a bit of damage on that uh, jump here. It seems this containment uh, uh, he says, the the warp core, uh, the warp core has a slight breach, and uh, as you can see here, and he grabs some uh, dust from a pouch in his pocket, and he uh, uh, he like sprinkles it out, and you see the dust just fly against the uh, far wall, and he says, "I think some of the spirits trying to the the, the feisty sprite is trying to escape." Hmm. Oh, says, "We built a carriage for it, and uh, maybe you'll have to reinforce it." Perhaps, uh, uh, Taita, Taita, come, let me introduce you. Taita comes walking down the stairs. He says, and he says Taita Kosikwa, uh, we were looking for her for a while and may have some expertise to learn, but I'll get a swing and a hammer. And uh, Taita looks around this place and she says, Oh, is this uh, Balanos's work? It looks like Balanos's work. You know Balanos? Oh, we're acquaintances. Uh, we meet up at the same places in our astral uh, astral projection conventions, and uh, <laughs> I've uh, exchanged a few words uh, here and there. Uh, very interesting work. Uh, not uh, terribly unlike my own. It's why I recognized it so quickly. And she looks around this, uh, this bottom floor of Snowbane's gift, and uh, she says, Oh, that is a bit of a delicate containment field interesting i suppose the objective is to allow most of the energy to be able to leave in a controlled manner yes that would be quite challenging it's got to be sturdy but not too confining otherwise it would just be a pointless prison hmm. and she just starts looking at all the uh, all the connections and uh, just like browsing around the room all the ways that the energy moves if you remember there's a wicker not a, not actually wicker. Well, kind of is. Yeah, yeah you know, wicker it looks sphere. Like it. Um, you know, like a woven sphere of of uh, of wood. Uh, is it wood? God, it's been so long since we've been in the snowbanes. Yes, camp. it's it's wood. It was yeah. a specific Wick, like, wicker, heart, like a wicker, like 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 a wicker sphere. Um, and it was a piece containing. of a dryad. Like yes. But did she carve up dryads yeah. to like make this wicker sphere? It was she's pretty awesome. Yeah, all, all of the and pieces were made from different uh, evil. She says, that's what very she says. Part of her uh, employment contract with Silvery Moon. Well, does do any of us have detect evil or detect good? Nor does she want it ever investigated sure on an official we level. Want to know? Yes, the answer to that question. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. She she I agreed to only uh, target evil creatures as long as they agreed never to check in on her. I think the, was kind of the stipulation. And the the ropes, the uh, the the sort of strings that go up to the balloons is made out of uh, made out of spun willow wisps. Yeah. Anyway. And uh, Taita says, and she says, oh, interesting. This cord seems to be spun from will-o'-wisps. As she, uh, she sort of picks up part of the connection from the uh, wicker ball to the edge, and, uh, and she, she holds it and handles it. Uh, 
She says, ah, but yes, I do see the damage you're talking about. This will take some time to repair. And what Mach was working on, uh, again, with Essen's kind of gift of arcane sight, is able to kind of like describe where maybe fluctuations in the weave may be irregular, and kind of working with Mach in previous times had created a little bit of an antenna to help kind of redirect and reorient some of the kind of chaotic... Uh, in unpredictable arcane kind of flux fluctuations that may come off the core. And so they built this kind of strange antenna apparatus kind of surrounding it. And maybe there was some damage to that in kind of the travel. And so that's what Mach's hammering away at and trying to see what, what that could do for it. Yeah, Mach immediately sees there's definitely damage there. It looks like some sort of perhaps release of energy occurred during the jump, which uh, sort of bent and mangled bits and pieces of this. Uh, it's not... It's not something that Mach couldn't repair uh, fairly quickly, but time is of the essence here, and so that is the name of the game. Drewston, are you down here too? Yeah. Um, yeah, Drewston's definitely there. Essence says, I don't think we should fly this thing until we get some repairs in it. Uh, no telling what would happen if we tried to uh, raise the carriage though in its current state. Justin wants to kind of take a look at the damage, think about what Taita, uh, the, the technological knowledge of Taita and such, and just get a, a, a kind of instinctual idea of how long repairing it would take. Yeah, um, go ahead and uh, roll an investigate. <laughs> I just came back. Uh, is, is there structural damage at all, or is there just mostly like magical contraption damage? Um, there's some there's some physical damage down below that uh, Mock is especially focusing on physical damage of okay. the apparatus that he had built. No structural damage that uh, that you've observed in the uh, in the ship itself. Okay. Uh, Baron is happy to assist Mock. I got a 14 investigate for a passive 22. Passive 22. Um, Drewston, uh, yeah, looking at it. Drewston, uh, Drewston sees this as a problem that uh, it will require some finesse. It will, uh, it will require with with some minds working together. This could be finished yeah. within the day, but okay. a serious botching of the job could certainly yeah. push that back days. Um, yeah, Drewston says, uh, "If we work together and get it right in the time, we should have it repaired in the day, and that would be more." time to get to the uh the tower and the lake oh you have four days okay oh oh right but the travel time to get yeah. to the lake um yeah. let's pull up the map real quick as yeah you, it was uh, as considerably larger than i had thought well Part of the reason we risked bringing the balloon was because of the distance yeah it had so, a legend on the other big map oh yeah well the big map is also behind my chair here but okay if, well good yeah you, if can't, you, could just... you can't get over there it's actually kind of annoying you can't move your camera there um, but uh, the the bottom line is it's about a hundred and twenty miles. Oh, I uh, can see that big map from the mist forest to oh, the, the black spiral. So you're a bit more than that. You're like hundred and fifty miles away. Okay. What was our average long, miles per yeah. day we were able to travel before? Was it like sixty or something? So the average miles per day that was a thing with Grumbar's original balloon, where you had to roll right. each day for how far it went. Because you were highly and dependent we, on the winds. Yeah, we didn't um, have with those things those we last just couple days. But remember, even the the feisty sprite needed time to recharge. We were able to travel a certain number of hours per day, and then we were able to travel on average. Like when we left 
um, the elf city. I forget what it is. And we were heading to the... I, yeah, I, I have the answer. I was just clarifying that, it, that when you say average, it makes it sound like it's irregular. It, it, just, mm. it just travels. Uh, the As you ask Grumbar, he would be the one to... Uh, he'd be the one to ask here. And he says, Ooh, I worked with Essen. As you guys are discussing the, the, the travel time downstairs, Grumbar comes walking down the stairs and says, Oh, about that, uh, Essen and I worked together and we made a couple of improvements to Balanos' design. I think that makes it legally ours now since we've basically improved upon it. Uh, yep, yep, that's the decision I've made. But, um... <laughs> It's, uh, we made some improvements, and we, we believe that we could go about 120 miles per day. <laughs> Good lines! That's ridiculous! Wow. Nice. It's not as fast as the big trade ships that some of the big cities have, but I think it's pretty, uh, I think it's a pretty good way of traveling. There are ships that go faster than 120 miles a day. Oh, ones with full crews that can travel all through the night, yes. Not Good many lives. of them, uh, uh, mind you. In the days of old, in the age of legends, there were uh, there were a lot more and faster ships. But these days, it's just down to a few. It's the safest way to travel. Uh, Grumbar, hey, you feel like you fully learned how to pilot this ship then? Uh, it seems like every time we lift off the ground, something's coming after us. Oh, I've got a pretty good sense of it. We traveled around a bit, Essen and me, over the times. Oh, speaking of which, Essen, did you give him the thing? Hmm? Yes, what was this? Essen's Surprise. continuing to look at the wicker ball and has not looked up. And he says, oh, oh, what? Oh, yes, it's uh, on the shelf over there. Third shelf on the right side. And Grumbar just rolls his eyes and shrugs his shoulders. And he says, Ugh, no sense for the dramatic. And he walks on over to the little bookshelf over there. It's near um, it's near Mock's uh, anvil area. Yeah. And there you see it where there was, oh my God, we just described this a couple weeks ago. Now I can't remember what it was, where there was a, uh, a crystal. It was two colors, red and blue. That's what it was. Red and blue. Red where and blue. there was one crystal before, the red crystal. That you had uh, that you had gotten from Vol. Uh, Vol was carrying a uh, a speaking stone that he was using oh, yes. to talk with somebody else in Skyclave. Uh, there is another one that looks identical, but it is blue. And Grumbar grabs both of them and holds them up, and he says, "These are really cool." And uh, he hands one to Mock. Mox holds this and he says, he, he, he takes out instinctually his, his jeweler's scope to look at the quality of the gem and starts assessing it from naturally that standpoint. And he says, oh, remarkably clear. And he holds it with his, with his hands and squeezes. He's like, it seems much harder than a simple crystal of this sort. And as yeah, Mock is says, holding we... it, as he's holding it close to his head, yeah. Grumbar just grabs his, squeezes it in a particular way, and then shouts, into his and Mock hears Grumbar's voice shoot out goes, from the crystal. It goes, it goes flying. Dex save to catch it. <laughs> he says, as far as we can tell, these things can move any distance apart and you can talk between them like you're right next to each other. That is jewel crafting on a level I have never heard about. 
Essen got laid to get it. <laughs> oh, I'm on the back and he's like, that's the way you do it! Good on ya! The hermit life. Essen, uh, Essen stops from uh, looking at the wicker basket and he says, that's uh, an activity I would do again. And then he looks back to his uh, wicker ball and continues working on it. <laughs> and uh, so here you are. Repairs needed. Uh, what do, what's the reaction of the hands of Ao? I, I, oh, I right. assume no one objected right. to bring them up, but like... Um, I, mean, I feel like Aaron's assuming they're traveling. We're the kind of so. acting like we're at home because we are. But um, <laughs> how do they how do they respond to this strange? The hands uh, of Ao have been um, they have been respectful in uh, sort of keeping their distance. As you all have clearly like, there's a there's a reunion going on here. You know, people are talking. It's, they're excited, and the hands of Ao are just kind of like they're looking around. Um, Valden is especially, she's probably the most, like, looking really closely at things. She's even grabbing some things, picking them up, uh, like, touching them a little bit. She's listening Ooh. to you all. Um, uh, yeah, they saw the ship vanish last time. They, they did. They were helping yeah. us outside. They, 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 had, they definitely did see the ship before. And so now they're, and, and you hosted them in the ship. Yeah. And uh, to, to, to have your uh, to have your drinks so that Baron could uh, for sure send a message to them. You had to get familiar with them. Yeah. And um, so uh, they're being you know at, at at the moment in these first in these first minutes aboard the uh, aboard the ship they're they're mostly keeping their distance. But uh, Bogrash just goes. There's an area where there's like a kind of a, a comfy padded. What would you call it? What's a medieval like nice padded? Bean bag. What's a what's a D and D version of just a, a comfy chair uh, on the like, ground? Uh, hey, mattress. <laughs> a pile of straw with a blanket over it. There's a pile of straw with a blanket over it, and he just plops down and uh, and just kicks back and uh, you know crosses his legs and he's just like looking around the place and he's nodding in approval as he just keeps like looking around. He seems to like this, this place. Bogrush. The half orc. The half orc. Because they have guy. seen the outside of the airship before. Oh, I mean. Uh, yes, they've I'm, seen the. They, as we, as we, uh, uh, they have also seen the inside. You hosted them. Mark oh, did yes. say, okay, uh, make, "Make yourselves comfortable. Welcome aboard again." Uh, 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 whilst upon here, uh, uh, Grumbar is captain, and uh, you'll heed any orders that he gives. That otherwise, uh, you know, carry on. And Edith says, "Of course, this is your uh, this is your ship. We will be respectful while we are on board." Does she give eyes to any particular Ao? And how's uh, Bloom doing? Also, she kind of gives equal eyes to all three of them. <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're pretty sure they wouldn't uh, quote unquote be disrespectful all the same way, but they each have their own unique brand of it. Form of disrespect. Sure. Uh, what did you ask, Eric? Uh, just how Gloam is looking after being so exhausted from the, uh, the trip from the Sword Coast. Uh, He's dead. Yeah, he is still, he is still, um, he is still pale in the face and he comes down just as you guys are finishing up that discussion we had just played and uh, he leans over to Mock and he says, 
So, uh, about that cask of ale. You guys gonna tap that soon? Mox says, ah, well, Matt Glum, help yourself. It's by the anvil, and if you need to cuddle up for a, a nice warm nap, the, uh, the, the, the thing is bloody magical in ways that I don't even know yet. Yeah, feel free to, 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 to take a load off. There's a, uh, there's a barrel of, uh, there's a barrel of ale there. Like a, a nice-sized barrel. Uh, like a that, rain barrel? Yeah, like a rain barrel. That, uh, that, that's, nice. ni- that's a nice size for a dwarf. And uh, Gloam just looks at it, and he grabs a tool that is just on his belt. It is just right next to his weapons. And he just slams it into the barrel, and it is tapped. And oh uh, he grabs his stein and just pours himself a, uh, pours himself a tall mug of ale as he uh, he sits in the corner to watch you all as he uh, nurses his nurses his fine ale and he says that's good stuff Tristan uh, yes uh, lights his pipe which is a pipe that Essen gave him originally long white oh yeah uh, pipe that gets a very fragrant almost like perfumed smoke mm-hmm. and he says alright then uh mock Isn Taita, we've got to work together to repair this. If we put our heads together and we take this job seriously, I think we'll get it done. Uh, What do you say? Uh, Well, let's do it. Uh, Time is ticking and the the consequences here are grave, as we all know. Uh, Who? What what, what help do you need, uh, Grumbar? Uh, besides the repairs down here with the the warped core. Uh, oh, I don't deal with the uh, with the downstairs anymore. Essen and I came to an agreement that this is his domain, and I run the controls upstairs. And I'm it, not to touch his stuff. It uh, <laughs> it's just it's it's easier that way and we just we argue a lot less since making that arrangement <laughs> we used to argue a lot those first few days they were they were pretty rough and he says this as he's walking up the stairs there's lots of arguing lots of arguing oh, but then Mock, Mock turns to scrim oh sorry was he gonna say more sorry i mean he's con- Continuing to say more as he goes uh, up the controls upstairs. Mock looks to Scrim and he says, Well, Scrim, if we've got to work on propulsion, perhaps you could work on uh, the defenses. He says, uh, The place is looking pretty again, but uh, I don't see much that the gift can do to strike at its enemies. Perhaps you could work with the others and create some offensive opportunities from this, from the, for the ship. Is there still a ballista on the roof? There is still a ballista on the roof. We'll have to see who's going to be manning that. Give them some target practice, maybe. Yeah, well, uh, I'll be here with the dwarves. Drewston is going to do something he rarely does and take leadership. He's kind of made some sketches of the engine with kind of Taita's approval and, and her advice. And he starts saying, All right, I'll, I'll think to repair this. Uh, Taita, you'll have to do this, and uh, Mark, if you'll do step three here, and, and Essen, if you'll if you'll give me advice on this, and he starts kind of uh, uh, facilitating the repairs himself, keeping a careful eye on things, and, uh, and kind of uh, uh, 
being kind of the manager of these repairs rather than getting his hands at it himself. Uh, I love it. As you're all doing that, I see Bear Jaws tighten forward. Oh, um, she's upstairs. So if it if it makes sense to no, do so that, no. So they're later. they're starting to organize the work. We'll jump back to that in a sec. But you haven't gone in a while, so okay. Good chance. Oh, thank you. Um, so as uh, the turtle, God, Grumbar, Grumbar, uh, as, as Grumbar is coming up the stairs, I assume he's still mumbling. Oh yeah, he says, "Oh, we used to argue a whole bunch and." Oh, two people uh, alone in an air balloon with no particular guidance uh, sure have uh, a lot of who, disagreements. And uh, uh, what? Are you, who are you arguing with? Oh, Essen. Me and Essen. We argued a lot until we came to an arrangement. He gets the downstairs and I get the upstairs. Oh, have you considered fighting him? Uh, oh, we did fight. Really? Who won? Oh, I mean, we both... We both won because we came to an arrangement that uh, made it more amicable. I don't understand. Uh, One well, of you was defeated, yes? Well, I mean, I suppose since I got the upstairs, which is clearly the better room, I won. <laughs> well, good for you. <laughs> and uh, he points over at the, uh, the straw with a blanket over it and he says, That's my special sitting spot. It's very special. And Bogrash is still sitting there, just like kicked back. <laughs> that is all. Um, go ahead. Uh, so Drustin, Mock, and uh, Bairn, at the very least, are working together on this fix. Is who, who else is assisting here? Um, the more can, that can I, assist, the better, because time to, to do, is your cost. Yeah, to do some logistics, I don't know if we want to keep talking in, in uh, character or just do a little bit of just out-of-character logistical talk in terms of how we want to actually use the Snowbane's gift if we want it to be in combat. Like, how we feel about... We've, we've kept it away from fights when we could before, because it is a fragile... Well, we're going to be flying it to a tower, and we don't know if we'll... Well, have any obstacles getting there it, or anything well is it dropping us off like in terms of the septicemia that was kind of what mock was a little bit alluding to he was i was mock was teeing dressing up to say or teeing scrim up to say hey like we have this enormous platform with some offenses but we haven't really invested in like what it could possibly do for us during the battle maybe you could work on that um is a little bit what the what the idea was Gotcha, gotcha. So I guess, I guess, really, it's just kind of what do people want to risk this thing in either the fight to take some territory on the Black Spire, uh, and or the fight against the Septicemia. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot that could be done, improvements wise or preparation wise. Um, but um, and, and there's no reason why couldn't people couldn't also be involved down below as well. But no, I, I think ship. he's. He's asking saying, a more specific question. Do we want is this the, thing is in the it going to be involved in drop fight? us off? I think no. Baron would probably lean towards protecting it because as far as he's concerned, this is like a rare and precious treasure that would be very, very difficult to replace. So he is probably leaning towards not involving it in directly in combat, more of a support role. Okay, yeah, like basically ready for it to fly and swoop in to catch someone if they fall off or something. Sure, yeah. I think I get... I, I'm wondering if anyone else has this fear that the Septicemia are going to reach the hands out 
bring down a thunderbolt and it just explodes the ship and we go, oh, damn. Yeah, well, I Mark, think keeping the ship out of it is a good idea. Mock, you're, yeah. the, you're the one that said, yeah. go get Mark it is looking at this as, as, as a military aspect. So I guess asset. we can, we can roleplay that, that if you conversation lose this, real if, quick if you want to. Yeah, I mean, if you lose to the septicemia, but the, but the craft survives, who gives a shit what kind of a museum it's in? Based on what Mock's feeling, um, which is it's just his point of view. But yeah, I, I'm totally happy to RP that or however. Um, so Scrim says loud enough that basically the, the the party members in the in the ship because it isn't that big. Um, so hold now, hold on there, hold on there. We can we can use this from far off. That lords know that ballista has some range to it as we as we dealt with when it was attacking us. But <clears throat> if this becomes too much of a threat to the septicemia or whatever creatures are on the, the black spire when we try to land on it. If we if we lose this, the ship might be our own only panic button for a tactical retreat. Or saving some if they fall off the edge. Well, I defer to you, Scrim. You, you know this opponent, but yeah, it seemed to me like these are the bloodhounds that there's no escaping. Uh, if there's if there's means of, uh, of, of a, if there's opportunity for a skirmish and a retreat, I, I could see that being wisdom. But if this will be the the one and only confrontation, I say we throw everything at it uh, to, to 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 lose the battle and to save the ship seems worthless to me. We have some time to discuss the finer strategies of how we're going to use the ship. Let's, uh, brainstorm but not set on anything until we've actually seen the tower in the battlefield. It's wise. Fair enough. <laughs> but... But... Assuming best-case scenario, would you want this ship in the fight, Baron? I mean... If we're going to have it be a combatant, we need a way to defend it. Because, I mean, otherwise it's a sitting duck. If these things can fly, there's no reason why they can't engage it directly. And I don't know about you, but those little cloth things keeping this thing aloft seem rather flimsy. Mm. So if we're going to... We would have to split our party, essentially, and have some people on the balloon actively trying to protect it from being attacked. I trying to protect but, it would become a liability of itself. Aye, so that's my first thought. But again, I would say let's see what the what the battlefield looks like before we may start discussing specific tactics. Aye, all right. Let's then let's then what preparations should we be doing now? I think uh, fixing it so it flies. Not a criticism. <laughs> what should we be doing? What? What Mark says, what can you build? He says, you, you have great resources with the paints. You, you have command over nature. Uh, how, how can we fortify the, the, the ship? Or, or increase its, its ability to strike out? He said, I'm, I'll, I'll happily train someone on the ballista for however many hours we have, but I'm the least craftsman of all of us. I think this this task oh. might be might be not within my abilities. Uh, All right, fine. Bogra steps down the stairs. 
And he says, I'll work with him. We'll shore this thing up. Add some fortification. Take a look at those flimsy balloons of yours. Then he, and then he looks slaps Grumbar on the back. It it knocks him a bit. His fragile <laughs> constitution. <laughs> he's, not a, he's not a beast. <clears throat> he says ah, and he kind of stumbles a little bit. He says, "Many thanks, Master Grush." <laughs> Bogrush of Clan Blackmarrow. Ah, yes. Master Master Blackmarrow. <laughs> uh, close enough. Alright. Uh, let's go ahead and go with... Uh, so, Drustin, Mock, and Baron are working on the repairs of the uh, of the propulsion system here. Is anyone Baron? else... Baron was yeah. offering to aid Mock in the physical repairs. He's proficient yeah, with masonry tools. And then Titan and Essen are there as well. Titan Tita and Essen, right, of course. Um, uh, anyone else? Bearjaw not. Scrimcorn's doing his own thing with uh, Bogrush. Well, Oilvane, what are you up to, Oilvane? I think he's trying to get laid. <laughs> Been pretty I quiet for a while. Uh, he's doing whatever Valden's doing. Uh, <laughs> Is he hanging out with Valden? Uh, especially if Valden's doing oil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you. Uh, uh, well, uh, well uh, he's, he's hanging around her, I'll say. He's not, uh, he said some things that he was, you know, he's not proud of the last time. You know, like maybe like somewhat accusing her of having sex with his father. Uh, and, uh, so he's not, he's, you know, he's kind of holding his tongue for a little bit. You know, he's, uh, he's being cautious, but you know, he's trying to make, he's trying to make an opportunity, but, uh, he's a little bit shy. So. Gotcha. How's, how's Ted behaving? Uh, well, I was gonna get to him in a moment. No, uh, no, I, I withdraw. Yeah, Ted, Ted, <laughs> Ted'll come up in a second. Uh, don't worry. Um, so, uh, how do you begin, Justin? You're laying out the plans. Get this leadership angle going. I think he just put his mini on the dice box. He did. Justin has stepped out. Um. Then let's go to uh so with Scrim. Valden. I just put him over there. Valden is uh <laughs> is spending time. She's walking around the ship and she's just asking Oilvane, like, how does this work? And she points to the uh she points to like the controls of the airship. What does Oilvane say? Uh it's, it's like it's like magic, you know. It's like sick magic that like this uh this, this like super super smart like lady made. <laughs> it's just you know it's like it's like, you know, I don't think I don't think, you know it's, it's you know, I don't think it's something that we're supposed to understand. <laughs> it's just like it's like, you know it's just out there, you know, it's just like really cool and uh, you know, I think that's that's enough that's enough for me to understand. That is just really it's pretty it's pretty sick. She squints her eyes a little and says Cool. Uh yeah. Yeah, you get it, you get it. Yeah. Seriously. So so, what's your what's your job in your group? Uh 
I'm like the one that uh, makes sure like everybody's like friends, you know. That's what I do. And then like uh, I take care of my dog, you know, make sure he doesn't like poop all over the place. It's just you know, I got responsibilities, you know, like an adult, you know. <laughs> like an adult. <laughs> <laughs> she says. My job is to watch, uh, watch for anyone sneaking up on us and slit their throat if they do, and then I hide the body so no one will find it. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Oil Vena has got the weirdest boner right now. Um, <laughs> she says, "This uh, dog of yours, uh, can it devour a goblin corpse whole?" Like whole? You mean like like in one bite? Or how can it consume the entire body and prevent it from being found? Uh I suppose so. Interesting. I mean, technically, it's kind of like you. it's it's basically part of me. So like, whatever it eats, I kind of end up eating at some point too. So uh, if your dog eats a goblin, <laughs> you've eaten the goblin. I mean, maybe not in so many words, but, you know. Go with it. <laughs> not that many words. <laughs> Do you like how goblin tastes? No, it's more just like a feeling in my tummy. I don't really know how it tastes, but... It's what, not do you actually... like how goblin feels in your tummy? No, not, not really. I just, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd tell Snoop, don't, don't eat that goblin. You know, I have to wait for him to, like, to, like, you know... I have to give him some time before I let him back in, inside of me, if that makes any sense to you. Interesting. So it doesn't taste, does it, so it doesn't feel so bad. I don't like the taste of goblin meat, she says, as well, you, she you, walks towards another area of the air balloon. He just whispers, he, like, you've eaten goblin? <laughs> <laughs> she says, oh, I've eaten a little bit of everything. She looks Wink. back and smiles and winks at him. Oil vein is immediately sweating in robe of summer. <laughs> <laughs> so, not so, so not so balmy. Is it me? You can't take the robe is, off. This is can robe you? of summer. Oh, so f- you could. That's oh, really hot. It's really hot. Um, oh jeez. <laughs> let's go back down Your to Drustin. Robe of equalized blood flow. Uh, so Drustin. Uh, you are leading the effort here. How do you begin? Uh, so he's going to look at the notes and sketches he took of the uh, wicker cage long ago, the same site. Yes. And then he's going to kind of think about uh, the skill set of his team, Ma, Essen, Taita, Bear, and kind of eyeing the damage that's happened. He's going to try to use his kind of toolbox here to their best abilities. It's going to kind of command each person to take on kind of a job that fits them best. So he tells Mach, you know, uh, uh, something that he needs like craft, you know, a, a metal link between two, you know, wicker tendrils to fix it, Essen to pull weave around it, Taita to manage the energy that's coming out of it, Baron to support Mach. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Baron has not shown uh, much aptitude for the arcane. Uh, but he's a, he's a supportive guy. 
And kind of... Well, uh, Baron, Baron, I would say, is taking Drusen's place at the Forge. Because Drusen has been mm-hmm. Mox's assistant at the Forge. That's it. <clears throat> kind of like managing the crafting work that is done at this very arcane and, and like and complex workstation. So if Drusen is stepping out to like take the blueprints and make some of these like higher level calls, someone's got to step in there. Mm-hmm. Sure. And at the same time, Drusen's kind of uh, pumping fragrant smoke into the room, which he uses in his uh, charm monster spell. This is kind of a, a technique he got from Essen himself to tame wild beasts. And he's hoping this will kind of keep the, the sprite at bay for a little bit. But he's really looking at he was the trying timing, to so. increase <laughs> morale for his workers. And, and that. Everyone <laughs> gets a little groove going. I feel yeah. a to the greater, the greater being. Uh, but he, uh, but he's really focused on it. He'll be like, look, now, 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 get it on there. Uh, Essen, Essen, counter three, and then, and then now get the weaver around and such. Really trying to kind of get the timing perfect on this repair. This is a really interesting thing you're doing, and I'm struggling to name the skill that I want you to roll. It, it, well, what ability would you say it is? Well, it's charisma. I, I think that's leadership overall. under uh, yeah. under Dresden Files. It's leadership. <laughs> it is <Files>? absolutely. <laughs> it's absolutely leadership. Um, so it could be persuasion. It could just be which, charisma. Persuasion um, uh, fits pretty cleanly because some of the examples I've got these awesome quick reference sheets over here on my side of the table that I want to print out in real life. Because um, persuasion has things like you know convince a friendly acquaintance that you know best or rally a crown uh, of townsfolk. Um, I, I think I think there's a lot of uh, persuasion and charisma that you've got going here. It's uh, to sort of take command of the situation. So let's go ahead and do that and roll it with advantage with uh, due to using your spell and make sure you take the spell slot of okay. uh, Charm Monster for that because I like that a lot. And um, what you've got here is this is uh, the damage here is fairly it's fairly minor, right? You're talking about less than a day of repairs needed to be done here. This is uh, not a terribly complicated thing, and you're all friends. Like, you're 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 commanding a force that has all worked mm-hmm. together before. So, you're looking at a 14 DC. Alright, yeah. Plus zero. And do, not you a have your, do you have your um, portent dice? Oh, I do. It's a 14 and 4. I want to roll Alright, go for it. Oh. oh. Did okay. you mean to drop them? <laughs> oh no! If you meant to throw them, you could throw them. Uh, it's it's a fair roll. That's just right. shaking right. them up for a while. So he got an eight. <laughs> All right. Uh, Drusten is. I mean, he is engaging in this. Right. He's telling people what mm-hmm. to do. Like you said, this is not this is not Drusten's normal. Um, no, I say he gets kind of frustrated and flustered too. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, uh, go for it." Mock now, pull the weed. No, no, I meant, I meant, I pull the weed, pull the weed. Uh, you, you, what's your name? Uh, 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 Titan, Titan, Titan. No, 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 now, now, now. And he kind of loses track. Of it. Just like, yeah, losing track a little bit of like what people are doing at the same time. Go back to tell Mock to do the thing, and he's like, "I already did that when you told me to do it." Well, um, also, if this is a leadership role, let me suggest that Mock is not someone who's necessarily easy to manage. He like kind of worked on the blueprint here and maybe he's like getting a little bit of like I know better when he really doesn't and like not listening to Dresden when he should maybe a little bit Baron respects Dresden but he also sees him as like 140 years younger than him <laughs> yeah the, the, the ages gap working against Dresden again <laughs> so many years 
I am clearly the least experienced here, but he's just so young. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, let's jump over to Mock. Mock is, um, yeah, it, it's kind of, a, I'll, I'll use what I just said as a lead-in. Um, Mock, Mock, basically, Essen was the mastermind of, of this kind of antenna that was built to help reduce some of the irregularities and the fluctuations in the energy on this, uh, on this web, uh, on, on the warp core. And it's something that Balanus would never have thought about or put together because all of the, the materials and the techniques used are far from her skill set as observed by Mach, my mock. But Essen was quickly able to kind of visually see some of the issues and then like leverage some of Mock's crafting skill to kind of create this fairly intricate device. And it looks like some sort of like crazy arcane like chalice that has like it's like it has like spider legs that like connect in, in, in this very very kind of like hard fastened way to the floor and then kind of like weave together and then come up in this kind of curling like like maybe like like eighteen pointed hand around around like the uh, the wicker orb with all these like fine points dialing in and the crazy part is each of these little eighteen points that kind of like close in like this like 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 many pointed hand around the orb can be like adjusted like manually to like be to to to, to very finely like uh, like rest in a in a specific point in space and like Essen you see him like. Actually, like manually with his with his fingers, delicately placing those tips of the eighteen points in specific places uh, as he sees it interact with the weave, and so it's Mock's job essentially to maintain like the the the, the dexterity and the integrity of this very kind of delicate like metal and mechanical structure, and it's one of those things where like if any of you guys wear glasses, know that if your glasses get bent you will never be able to fix them because the technique of adjusting glasses so they fit on your face well is very counterintuitive. Like you bend... Kaylin knows, thank you. You bend something that is very unrelated to what looks like it feels wrong to make it feel right again. And that is like the trouble here. Like Mach has a sense for the device, but like once it gets like bent here, you can't just unbend the thing that looks bent. You have to kind of like take it from this very complex structural level. And Mach is kind of trying to get lost in this thing of like where, what, how actually is he gonna adjust this? And he's like listening more to, the problem is Drustin understands what's wrong the best, but Mach keeps going back to Essen for like what's going, like what he should do since they designed it together. And that ends up being a little bit of a breakdown, but Mach is really doing his best to try to look at his own blueprints, his own diagrams, and, and try to kind of realign it back to what was what was originally crafted. Hmm. Awesome. So, that to me, that sounds like we're going. Uh, I'd like to see a dexterity check with um, proficiency, I suppose. Um, yeah. 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 Sounds great. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Go grab this, this this perp this perp D. Dick, 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 oh, and this is going to be a, um, like you said, this is a, this is a delicate thing. So DC 15, moderate difficulty here. Oh, thank you. Uh, uh, Baron is assisting in this fashion by, he, he wasn't really participating at all in the construction of this thing, but he's sort of like, why don't you explain to me how it works and maybe that will help you remember how, what it's supposed to do. 
and uh, and offering some divine flames where appropriate, if that's useful for heating Mendel for bending or reassessing or something. I like it, especially with the divine flames. Take advantage on the roll. Uh, would you mind throwing a dice, uh, Sam? Absolutely. Would he mind? Right. Well, my that's an eleven was one short, but his eleven is one extra. Oh, nice. so we ma- we make that. All right. I'm happy to blow a spell slot for that divine flame if you like. Uh, yeah, please do. Um, and also going to have you uh, get to have a primary action as well. Uh, your divine flame gives you gives him uh, advantage on his roll. Um, but let's get a little, let's dive a little bit more into into Baron's sort of uh, uh, assistance here. With uh, you can f- play mock, you can assist and play off of him sure. for the uh, direction. Because like you said, Baron's not doing the problem solving here; he's doing the application of uh, requested. Action. Yeah, I would love to hear from Baron what he feels like he has most to offer in this situation. Um, he's assisted Mock a number of times, but I, I, again, I think this is not like a significant part of their work together. So I think there's still a lot to be explored in terms of. No, Baron's I mean a lot of this set. is, uh, as Baron said before, is is him like he's acting as sort of like a sounding board. Like Mock has a complex idea in his head, so he's sort of like essentially giving him more memory space to work with by like, Mm. okay, explain it to me. And then I will explain to you back what I understood. And you see if that makes sense, sort of like an extra person to sort of hold this idea in your head with. And, uh, and also, huh? Go go ahead. Yeah. And, um, and the, the flame, he's trying to cast his spells in ways that he does not typically do before. Like usually he's like giant instantaneous blast of flame or like, a huge roaring fireball that he's holding in place. And this one, he's more like, hold instead of like a flame the size of a person, this is like a flame the size of like maybe a fist that he's holding in air. And it's very delicate and it's a bit challenging and it's not an application of his uh, divine things that he usually attempts to do. But uh, it's, it's useful for, you know, this is a complex medical structure and heating it a little bit in a spot to make it slightly more flexible is is useful. Um, Let me just say that... that- what 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 uh, you're describing, Sam, about like being a sounding board is extremely useful to mock. Like, the, again, he has he has so many kind of like thoughts in his head about where the issue may be and the complexity of the structure that like one or two iterations of explaining and getting explained back, he realizes like how off he was in his own thought, and so he refines the idea. But then when it comes to execution, it's like it's exactly what you're describing. Like if you've ever seen like like a glass blower work, like having a, a regular and reliable kind of heat source to be able to kind of like like very in a very controlled way heat a surface and bend it like there is an extreme risk with these delicate instruments that it gets too hot and the thing just like melts um or it's not it's not uh warm enough to be able to work pliably and so like mock asks baron for an extremely well-controlled flame with very particular like dimensions and heat properties. Yeah, and it's again not an application that Baron is typically used for, but uh, he he's trying to stretch himself in new and exciting ways. <laughs> and you have you have the anvil, which is magically enchanted with flame in a very unknown but very powerful way. So I don't know how you mm. work with that, but you're a flame cleric, and this is a weird flame anvil. So Mock's still trying to figure that out. I don't know, maybe you will. <laughs> I'm going to call for a um, a wisdom perception check here. 
I see okay. there's a lot of... I, I like the angle you're going, that you both went with uh, that sounding board, and really, you're just kind of... You're providing a lot of assistance by even just looking at what Mock is asking for and asking questions and uh, and doing that sort of thing. Did I get that right? Is that right? Yeah. Seems reasonable. Yeah, and so you're you're sort of you're you're double checking both in a uh, just sort of raw wisdom way as well as some amount of you know actual looking at what he's explaining and and just calling attention to when that doesn't seem to quite make sense sometimes. Mock knew what he was talking about because he understands some of this more delicate stuff better, and sometimes he pointed out something that Mock missed. Hmm. Well, let's see. And sometimes he points out something that wasn't actually a thing that needed to be pointed out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Alright, let's see what we get. Whoa! That's a seven plus I think that's a good bonus. Alright, uh, so twelve. Twelve is deucey. Uh skill blah 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 plus eight. Fifteen. Wow, yep. A lot. We have a whole group of high perception. 20 wisdom and the proficiency. That's <laughs> plus eight there. <laughs> That'll do it. Um, all right. And you nail it. Um, let's go ahead and just for fun. Uh, Essen, this is his wheelhouse. He's working on this. He's uh, especially working with Tristan. Taita is the new person here. Um Someone want to roll for Taita? Or I can, but I always like to let you guys roll if you want. I will roll for Taita. Dan will roll for Taita. In his bowl. <laughs> I was peeing last time you used your bowl. That is... It's a six. Oh, good. Ooh, we six are not rolling hot. Uh, Taita... Taita is... Uh, Straight out of the gate. Oh, let me let me let me wrap my head around. Is she Ooh, too arrogant? To go. I, she's not. She's she's got a bit of an arrogant streak. Um, she's not trying to be the leader here. She's not trying to tell people what to do. She's like she's not trying to get in Drewston's uh, way in that fashion. But um, she does. Sorry, that spinning that thing around on Oil Vane's head is incredibly <laughs> distracting. Sorry. I keep watching it. It's very mesmerizing. Um, uh, um, what was I saying? Taita, um, at first, she's she's listening to, to Drewston, and, uh, but she's expressing these little things like, I don't think that's the way that uh, the best way for that to work. And uh, but she goes and she does it. And Drewston's right, oftentimes, his, his sense for the right thing to do. But as Drewston starts to become like a little overwhelmed with it, Taita just it seems that in her her way of handling that, when Drewston is getting like a little overwhelmed by trying to manage so many moving pieces, um, is she just starts doing things on her own, like just without asking or without coordinating and as she uh as she goes and like starts to apply something it conflicts and essence says no don't don't do that oh give me that and and uh, uh fixes it there and she says oh interesting that's not the way i was expecting this to go as like a little bit of arcane uh, uh an arcane sparks shoot from one piece to another and essence pushes them together and fuses something with a strange tool he has and uh and so she's she's not completely getting in the way. She's just she's being a little too much of a solo player 
to contribute effectively to this group. You know, right, not- it's like film authors work trying to work together. It's like yeah. they both are like very strong in their own visions of how things should be. Yeah, exactly. And she doesn't necessarily slow down the efforts per se at the end of the day, but she didn't much contribute to it going faster either. Um, and uh, and that goes on for a number of hours uh, as all of this is happening. And Mock and Baron are finished with their part first, getting this uh, piece repaired, and that assists with the rest. But it's slow going to get the uh, the core part of the wicker ball done, and it takes uh, it takes the better part of the day uh, into uh, into sunset, and uh, and it gets dark in the it gets dark on the plains here before finally the repairs are done at almost the middle of the night. Well, lovely. But at the end of it, the uh, the repairs do complete, and uh, it's Drustin that oversees the final piece of the. Uh, it's actually one of the willow wisp, uh, one of the willow wisp tethers that uh, is the final piece that needs just a little bit of sort of arcane massaging to uh, to get the, the energy to flow effectively through that piece. It had uh, taken a little bit of damage that would, took a while to identify this as the piece. And finally, uh, as that's done, Drustin is able to look over the whole thing and you have a pretty good sense that you're finished. I am ready. Oh, first the light. Let us launch. Mox says, I feel a little bit like Glom at this point. Uh, an ale and a, a good rest say, seems in order. Tomorrow is the, the day to travel. Ooh, whatever you guys want. Well, I mean, last time, as I recall, the, uh, the Sprite needed a fair amount of time to recover after uh, the the vast journey through the jump or whatever it was. Could probably use a night to rest too, eh? Ah, uh, yes, it was uh, resisted us quite a bit in this, uh, in these repair efforts, and uh, it's definitely used some of its energy for the day. It might be able to fly through the evening as he's sort of looking at the wicker ball and uh, looking at the mock's creation, this, this, these fingers that go all around it, and he says, oh, we may be able to make it all the way to the island, but I would feel better if I knew that there was uh, some place to stop along the way. I'd prefer to arrive during the daylight, quite frankly. How about we move to a spot on the shore closest to it, and then we leave and cross the gap in the morning? Anybody have thoughts? I think that's a wise action. Sounds good to me. Hmm. Aye. As those doing the magical repairs emerge topside, Scrimcorn and Bogrush have uh, been working on some plans to uh, sort of decrease the risk of if this thing were to enter into battle. Dan, what are some of the things that you did? Well, Bogrush, uh, uh, Scrimcorn... Yeah, do you want to roleplay this out, or... No, I just want to know what, uh, you know, what what sort of things did you uh, did you work on? What sort of improvements... Uh, did you install the moon laser? Scrimcorn uh, knows that it feels like the most vulnerable part is is what keeps it 
aloft. Um, the uh, as as kind of the 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 structure, the 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 carriage kind of thing will will have people in it. They can repair that, but if the balloons, or it's not really balloons anymore. It's the the there's a bunch of rings. Can you? Yeah, describe that. I'm trying to remember how that works, too. Uh, well, um, let's try something out here. Uh, because I have an idea. Since we're about to leave here. (gasps) Thanks! Uh, They're so fragile! God, we paid so much for them. I love how they clink. Uh, Oh, (laughs) that map is... It doesn't even fold. God damn it. You gotta move it so, like, the corner is on it, maybe. I got it, I got it, I got it. Here. Break it over your knee. There. You're right. It's, you really got to shatter it. I got to let it get more flat so I can. There. There you go. Um, so let's see how this works. Um, so you've got the uh, you've got the big old carriage right here, right? And it used to have wheels, but it doesn't anymore. And it's got this balcony over there. Um, then you've got these tether things that go up like this, and each balloon. Uh, Ooh, each balloon is like a sort of Greg, oval shape. Greg, you maniac! This air balloon is upside down. <laughs> well, I'm drawing it from my perspective. Uh, these are the fallopian these, tubes. It's got oh, these metal rings. The ovum. Welcome to human reproduction. <laughs> we live in the uterus. It's got these because metal the rings, rings that, go around. that right. go around it like that, and the and the tethers actually go up to those. onto the rings. Um, the and ladder the, but, but coming the balloon, down. Well, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> and the, these, these are, you know, they have a thickness to them. They're like right. These, rings. but the actual balloon that's in the middle—that is—that is actual like balloon material. Uh, it is made from the skin of some sort of creature, and I am—I'm not recalling what it was. In fact, I, I remember it's important that that are, creature is still alive, but, though. But they are physical oh. and not like an energy ball that the rings are hanging on to. It is a it is a physical it is a physical, you know, air container of of of, a, container of some air. sort of gas. Yeah. Something. And it is okay. it is a I think Sam's right. It is a is a still by at least way, living by some definitions. There are two quick little uh, tabletop simulator things that we didn't go over, which is first off, if you like the the uh, mega minis Highlight one with a mouse, hold in Alt, you get a real sweet view. Oh yeah, I didn't. Uh, it's like how you zoom that. in on a piece of paper. But that's also but how you also can works. tell what a die roll is. If you hold also, alt. you can zoom in. On also, a I'll mention if you guys haven't looked at your chairs, you've all been given names. Uh, I noticed that. I was wondering who did that until I figured it out with with enough analysis. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Some some investment there should clearly point to a, a particular culprit. Really <laughs> leaning towards the Eric Thick Dick. Uh, <laughs> I it was you. I am um, not seeing what you're talking about. I don't see. I see one on a couple. Oh, on the chair. Oh, Mick Smash. Yeah. Eric Thick Dick, the Burninator. <laughs> on the chairs themselves. Samocles, we got a fame. Yeah, you can oh, change mine. I don't get yeah, that. It didn't show up for me. Full Dan and the Velvet Scrims, herbaceous. I'm very there's disappointed name, it didn't show up for me. There's a name and a description that you can assign to objects. Casual Drustin, oh, lover oh, of women. Oh, 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 oh. Really? <laughs> now I see it. Lover of, it women. lover of men, or... Also, to zoom in your sniper cam, 
Zoom all the way out, and then put your cursor somewhere, and then hold an M. <laughs> Mancy. Oh my God. M is in Mancy. <laughs> no, this is horrible. Uh, M M is really great. It's got a very bizarre sort of zoom. It, it, it hovers in a very weird. Well, if you pull it away from you and close to you, it's got this very yeah. strange camera motion. Anyway, yeah. uh, let's keep going. Okay, so it makes it farther away. So Scrim, <laughs> Scrim gets outside with Bogrush, and he braces for some criticism as he is accustomed to receiving from the hands of Ao. <laughs> and yes, Bogrush to bear with him, and suggests that perhaps if the vulnerable vulnerable place is the balloons. We sprinkle spores all over the balloons, work some nature magic, and give them a layer of fungus that is so thick and so dense, even a giant has a hard time walking through it. Mm. It would not make them impenetrable, but it would surely give them a... Will that impede their ability to uh, like retract? So as I recall, the the whole this whole like thing comes back in, like when it gets cold or something. If only if only Baron was involved in this analysis. Baron is not. Sam is curious. <laughs> yeah, um, Sam's right. When it, um, it yeah, it'll be fine. Um, but when it collapses, when the um, when this sort of goes down like that direction, you know, when it when it floats down to the ground, it flattens. Yeah, the rings. The each ring is is. Uh, shaped so that they end up with this nice concentric yeah. circle pattern on the so ground. I remember that part of the, the collapsibility. Collapsed. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you, have I, uh, you have to prune the fungus. Damn. As, as we're thinking of ourselves, uh, thinking about this, I just feel like Scrim has access to so many like, they always talk about how like in the Amazon jungle there's millions of plants that haven't been found. Like Scrim has access to so many strange like botanical resources that can have so many weird effects, like a fortification of like the balloons themselves. I don't know. I just, I see there's a lot that could be done material wise from your like crazy, like Batman belt bandolier I mean, I, of. I can see him having the supply, but I think in terms of, I mean, I guess that's why Bogresh is here to kind of do the crafting thing. I mean, Scream will go for it. I, I think it's fun to do some stuff that's like out of the wheelhouse, but this is very much like, hey, guy who lives in the mud can you build a house for us so i'm, I'm <laughs> trying like, to figure out do you want brown or dark brown <laughs> or a variety um sure? so more of a so mottled issue about a habitism loam so basically he's gonna look that and he's gonna run inside and check with um with essen um uh, he'll check with grumbar he likes grumbar he'll check with grumbar um and asking about how often we have to collapse the balloons if it's not a permanent solution if kind of making these these balloons a little bit armored for one day um like casting bark skin on the balloons or yeah something. basically like could he put the fungus on the balloon on a thursday and then it's good through like saturday he says oh the balloons collapse every time that we uh that we set down on the ground he says but they're quite resilient to the sort of thing you're talking about i bet your plan would work all right then uh let's uh let's get these let's get these balls fungusy what you have to and, remember uh, is that it's sort of 
strange because the normal ways that the wind would interact with the construction of the, out the external part of this vehicle doesn't actually apply in this case because because the whole the whole feisty sprite thing is what makes it go so it doesn't really matter how that looks on the outside does that make sense yes I strange magics yes. I uh I've heard I've heard that we where did it go I've heard that we're really not meant to understand and that's enough for me and uh yeah he proceeds he he gives uh, Bogresh um uh two two handfuls of of spores and tells him to uh tells him to, to if the balloon is set down right now to basically uh, cover the cover the surface of the balloons that are in concentric circle form um, with the spores and gets about doing his plant growth magic and so when the rest of you come up from working on that all day like uh, Eric had mentioned like it's tiring it was like constant work for a lot of hours probably about 12 hours of work at the end of the day and uh, you see this change to the balloon. It's immediately obvious this place has windows. As you know, this place here is got these big oh, windows. windows. Let me zoom in with M. All the way around. <laughs> that were and smashed by windows. centaur ballistas. It was smashed by centaur ballistas. And uh, yeah, so you see this uh, the spore-covered spore uh, balloons on the outside. And... Uh, and there you have it. So the plan is set to take the balloon on a test travel to the shore. And sure enough, the repairs hold. The balloon lifts aloft. And for the first time in what feels like months, but was actually probably a month, you are taking to the air. Yeah. <laughs> as uh it's only a, it's only an hour or two travel to get to the shore from where you were uh, actually maybe three four hours uh so well into the night before you uh before you get to the shore you you're going around the um uh let's get the map out real quick oh wait i don't have the map we'll the map draw go? a map we're gonna draw it where, Lake. where did the Forgotten Realms map go? <laughs> Alright, we have a permanent aesthetic change. Uh-oh. <laughs> the balloons. This is the black spire, even though it's white now. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, well, I lost the cool map I had. It probably went into someone's box. Wait, you got a bunch of stuff in your box. Oh, it's your dice. Don't touch it by my box. That's what she said? Well, I have no idea <laughs> where the Forgotten Realms map went. Aww. Didn't you set it on the ground or something? <laughs> no, I put it uh, in my green can bag. Can't we just use the... We can use the big one, but right? Don't look in my green bag. It's private. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but it's not in there. Seven. That's what she Seven used. in her progress chest. Yeah. Oh, in mine? That's just I'm, my stuff. It's your, it's your dice. My dice. Uh, uh, okay. So, anyway, so you guys go to the um, 
you guys go to the, the, the west side of the Misty Forest. Is that right? Or are you trying to get closer to the shore? Uh, I was... Yeah, I think the west side, if we're trying to get closer to the shore. That was, that was Baron's suggestion. Just the just yeah, closest to shore to you. Yeah. Closest shore to the tower, I thought. Yeah. That's different. The closest shore okay. to you is very far different from closest shore to the tower. You know well, how far... How far can it get today? I realize... No, it's not today. It's the middle of the night. It's like midnight. Right. Tonight. How far um, can I get tonight? You're just going to the shore. Let's. You know what? I realize that that level of minutiae doesn't matter. You fly to the shore and set down uh, on the shore of the Misty Sea. Is it called the Misty Sea? Misty the Lake? Lake of Mists. That's what it's called. So uh, you set down the shore of the Lake of Mists and finish camping for the night. The hands of Ao... Uh, put themselves on a, uh, a watch rotation. Uh, they say that they'll just uh, they'll add one of theirs to whatever watch that you are all setting up. Uh, even though that means that each of them is up for a quarter of the night, uh, they are willing to do that. Actually, they insist that they prefer to always have one of their own. Up. Does uh, Ted take a watch? Exhaustion. Do we let him? <laughs> no. Oh man, I forgot to do the Ted thing. I was going to have Ted get in the way of your of your thing um i'm doing the repairs what happens if i put my dick here there's so many more things to concentrate on like he'd ask first (laughs) it's we are we are still kids at a candy store with all these toys Uh, i would love to actually backtrack a little bit and hear some ted um ted uh oh ted what the? Or from Oil Vein. Oil Vein's been such uh, a clutch. Okay. You sound like a guy unexpectedly Ted. asked to speak at a funeral. Uh, yeah. Oh, Ted. What can uh, we Ted. say about Ted? What can we say about Ted? I'm happy with the brothers talking about Ted as well. <laughs> Ted, uh... Fucking Ted. <laughs> Where dad, is Oil Vein's bed? Died as he lived. Where is what? Is his, his bed? Actually, you know what? I know what it is. Uh, yeah. When Scrimcorn comes in right. from right. some of the repairs, when Scrimcorn comes in from some of the repairs and Oil Vane is in the middle of trying to figure out what to say next to uh, Valden. Right. <laughs> no. Um, uh, so like... He says, just, ah, just the two people I wanted to see. Oh, Wait, what's his voice? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. just the two people I wanted to uh, see. You know, it's it's come to my attention, thanks to the patient teachings of the Paladin of Torm here, that uh, I've done wrong by you kids, and uh, I'm I'm going to do better. He says with a big, like ear-to-ear smile on his face as he looks to each of you in turn. That's what you said last time before you took my pinky. But I just. Oh, I just need a fresh start, you know? I, and since you're flush, he wiggles his eyebrows. <laughs> oh. Ted, Ted already disappointed <laughs> Scrim halfway through his sentence of criticizing. <laughs> I'm sure it's no big deal to spot your dad a few hundo gold, you know, for the fresh start. We just gave you money. Well, I was to pay for the peanut. I... I need my fresh start money. <laughs> my fresh I'm going to have to get a new peanut. It's going to cost me at least a thousand gold. Ugh. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Scrim gives him a good berry. Hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> Take that peanut. He looks at it he and says, he just goes, Ugh, and he drops it to the ground. <laughs> and says, uh, I'm offering my saved. son. I will spurn it immediately. <laughs> it <was have laughs> saved countless lives. He looks away from Scrimcorn and puts his arm around Oilvane's shoulder. He oh says, my god. He says, son, is, is this because of the pinky thing? Look, man, get off me. He takes his uh, he takes his arm off, but then he moves his head real close to yours. He says, "We can let bygones be bygones, can't we?" I'm not falling for this again. Yeah, and besides, I really thought it was going to grow back. Honest. I learned my lesson. Who really this even needs question. their pinky? No one. And he holds up his hand, and you see that he's missing a pinky. Oh my god! What? That's fuck? recent. <laughs> Well, is it, does it look fresh? Is it He's wearing of? a glove that, that has had its pinky uh, its pinky tied in a sh- knot on the stump. <laughs> and he pulls off the glove, oh, and you great. see that he just has a stump. Like, it was cut off at, like, the first knuckle. Like, it's just what? missing. And he says, I haven't even missed it. What the hell happened to your fucking pinky? Uh, that's Get your priorities in order. He says... That was just a, a bar bet that uh, didn't go my way. It was They were cheating, I swear to you. But the point is, I haven't even missed it at all. Pinky, no big deal. Is that what happens with your money? You just lose it, and you lose, then you lose a pinky. Water under the bridge. So, okay, so the pinky is water under the bridge. And he says, all right, we'll come back to the we'll come back to the fresh start money tomorrow when we've got it fresh eyes. It's stressful times repairing the balloon and growing mushrooms and yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. And he just pushes, he like waves his hand at you as he walks away. He says, fresh start tomorrow, fresh start tomorrow. It's fine, we got it. It's fine, it's fine. And then he just plops down on wherever Oil Vein's bed is. Oh fuck, I'm gonna burn that. Can't burn that. I don't want it anymore. I haven't used it in time. Brother, could you get Snoot to eat his penis? <laughs> well, we all know what happens if Snoot eats something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I'm preparing for you to make that sacrifice, me. brother. You hear, you hear a growling noise coming from some indeterminate direction. <laughs> <laughs> just, just consider it is all I'm saying. Ugh, but oh, that guy—he always shows up. Never gonna be rid of him, are we? Not at this rate. Maybe with luck, the septicemia—he'll just get caught in a wild shot. <laughs> all right. <laughs> the balloon sets down. And rests for the night, as all of you do. Watches are set, and uh, but the night passes without incident. As a new day, a new day rises, and with it, the endless expanse of the very, 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 very large lake of mists. Uh, stretches out one direction in front of you. You know the direction of the Black Spire according to Drustin's maps and you are now but a travel away and it is three days now until the Septicemia arrive if the witch's ten day warning was 
accurate to the day. <laughs> if. Drewston seems uh, at the uh, prow of Snow being to gift. He kind of wants to be like the first one to sight the island, discovering ruins, being the first to come to a, uh, a ruin is one of his great passions in life. Who has the spyglass right now? Uh, on the mini. Uh, I'm going to answer that with this. We got this. All right. All right. <laughs> I, like, right. I like how he's added your spyglass to his mini. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, hey. Metagame question. Metagame question. Not going into the RP at this point. Just a question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. Handsome. It's a thing now. Oh. All right. Uh, so my my always my default is that Oilvane has a spyglass, but you guys can answer the question. He he readily you know he'll he'll give it to people if they need it, but it somehow always ends up in his hands again. <laughs> somehow, if if Mark needs it, yeah. he can hold on to it for a bit. <laughs> you can borrow yeah. it, Mark. Ha, that but okay. <laughs> <laughs> continue, continue, Greg. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm assuming you guys are just heading straight there. Yeah. As Snowbane's we're, gift, we're urgent. Lifts off, and it begins the day-long journey to get there. So it is about 150 miles away, and uh, you can travel 120 miles per day. Uh, you find some way to move along the shore to get. We'll call it just 120 miles to keep things simple. Um, you, you went to a spot on the shore that made it 120 miles away, since you knew what the... Gotcha. We're able to just bridge the gap. Yeah. You're able to just, just bridge the gap to get there. And uh, as you're going, you're saying... Uh, Edith says, So you are saying that it is 120 miles away, and this can travel 120 miles in a day. What happens if it's not there when we get there? That's a good question. Grumbar says, Oh, then we would fall into the water. I hope this thing floats. I suppose I'll solve that when we get there. Justin, you think you could fly, cast fly on the ship? Me. Ah, <laughs> what about levitate then? Me. Well, that's a bummer. In could a pinch. cast fly on Baratol? In a pinch, a pain. <laughs> I think the bear dog could carry the ship and everything in it. I think that even seems a bit much for her. Hey, pardon me. I think it is a worthy challenge. <laughs> the pain there, there must be all other problems. There must be other small islands and rocky outcroppings in the middle of the lake. I cannot be the only one. I suppose we should probably look for sightings as we proceed we and uh, keep a good that. eye on our. Uh, point of no return so we know uh, whether or not to turn back I... and after six short hours you are at that point of no return and now it is just water in every direction but sure enough as you suspected there are bits where not quite islands but there are areas where if it came to it if there were an emergency and i uh, you could you could set down on the on these some of these rocky outcroppings and it might get a bit wet it might ruin some stuff but you you'd be on some sort of solid ground uh, i'm assuming drustin goes and takes note of all these sorts of features as you're traveling oh yeah 
and uh, so you always have a place to be able to go back to, but it's not needed. Hmm. For after... I was going to do... Oh, I guess I don't have any uh, different travel music. Then we're sticking Triumphant island arrival music. Uh, it is... It is the end of the day, and it is dark again when you arrive uh, at the island. For what you find in the distance... Actually, yeah, you tell me where you're going to go, but what you see in the distance is a large... You thought of it as a tower, and it is a tower, but it's more like a castle spire than it is uh, than it is a traditional tower. It is, uh, it's it's got four sides. Uh, you know, it's got four sides like a like a big. What am I thinking of? Like a parapet, but oftentimes that would be like a square tower. Like a square tower. That's all I'm trying to say. God damn it! Uh, <laughs> a square tower as you Where? approach from above and uh, you see uh, in the night where is it? Here it is. Ooh. The top of the tower. Whoa. Now, it is not pristine like this, so you're going to have to use your imagination to imagine like a thousand or two years. Please don't do that. Sorry, that wasn't intended. Um, and I, I meant to lock it. That's my fault. There you go. That's locked. Um, imagine this, but with uh, but it's, this is when it was in its in its heyday. Those uh, it's this is what Drustin's eyes see. He's such an accomplished ruin diver that he sees the he sees the the, the, the majesty beauty. and the uh, the glory of the of the empire or the settlement or the or or the person. He sees the the oasis of the tower. He sees the oasis of it. And so atop this great square tower, you see uh, there is a top side and it is still intact after uh, after all this time and there is it even looks like there's an area meant to be landed on although much smaller uh, for something much smaller perhaps a creature there is a, a wooden um, this spot right here this uh, what would you call that like a uh, it's like a landing pad uh, there's a name oh, for what that would be like a pier, like an air pier. Oh, it's like an air pier. Yeah, air pier. like an air pier yeah. for uh, something small. Definitely oh. not an airship. Nothing. Uh, it would be a very, very small for an airship. But for something like to bird. take off and land from there, some sort of bird that perhaps someone rode. It looks more like a castle than it does a uh, than it does a you know wizard's tower that uh, certainly was in Essen's mind as you were approaching. Um, Craig, I have a feature. Yes background that I would like to read to you right now. You have a what? Feature. A I background a feature, feature. Which has my background. Feature. Oh, archaeologist. Oh, okay. Go for Tell it. Us. When you enter a ruin or dungeon, you can correctly ascertain its original purpose and determine its builders. Whether those were dwarves, elves, humans, Yuan-Ti, or some other known. Definitely so, Yuan-Ti. As we enter these ruins, Grusin will want to ascertain its original purpose and... It's builders. Okay. Uh, excellent. So when you set down, you have to enter. You have to like look around, right? Yeah. That's the idea. So you've got two options ahead of you. This is a very large, well, not very large. It's about. Um, yeah, how tall is it? 
It, it goes up about 60 feet. From the water surface? From the land surface, which is and also the water surface. So what you see is there is a small um, island that this thing seems to be uh, uh, attached to, but it mostly rises up out of the water. Um, but mm-hmm. it is attached to a uh, a small island with just a couple trees on it uh, down at the bottom. There's much more space on the island for you to land, or you could try to land on the top of this tower. It's up to you. Uh, also, we land on top of the tower, uh, rest the night, and then let uh, Essen and Grumbar float away a bit and get some uh, distance when we know the uh seem are coming. Ooh, I think I could do that. It's a pretty tight landing space, though. As uh, he looks, and I mean, th- this tower is barely larger than, uh, barely, and in some dimensions, not even larger than uh, than Snowbane's gift. But you, uh, but you could do it. It could fit. As well, the way he... I see it, it's like this is the landing area. Because everything else is kind of blocked off by yeah, either and, building. Yeah, and all of it. Well, even this building. This is. It's all a bit. Um, it's falling apart. Uh, but it's it, it's dilapidated. Yeah. So these these areas here, the walls are half filling. But you're right. This is the most cleared area. But there is a lot of um, there's a lot of sort of crumbled rock on there and stuff. And he says it might be a bit rocky to try to land on it. I don't know how stable that is, but if you give the go ahead, Captain, as he looks to Justin. <laughs> Justin looks at Mark. Mark <laughs> uh, takes a look at here and he's like, "Well, Justin, I definitely know uh, the stoneworks here and can see where it might be." strongest but then he looks to Grumbar and says uh, I wouldn't know how safest to manage an approach and he he looks there does does Mach see a, an outcropping that seems particularly stable um, he's looking for the safest like he doesn't he doesn't see this okay on the island or the small craft air pier well definitely not sorry, the, sorry. You, you're like a hundred times bigger than the small craft air pier Ah, right. yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking he was considering either a landing on top of the stoneworks. Yeah, like what Kalen there. said. Right, exactly. So basically, is, does Mox see any immediate threats on the stonework? Uh, go ahead and give a, a perception check. What would be the uh, radius of the airship? Yeah, we haven't. Um, Roughly. We we defined that a ways back, and now I'm having trouble. So Mox snatches the spyglass back. I think a five foot radius seems small. Maybe a ten foot radius. That's like twenty feet across. That's pretty ample for a for a wagon. That, that seems oversized. Well, it's, it's a pretty it's, big, pretty big well, wagon. That looks like a. Is that your roll? That's my roll. So is that like 20. that's our footprint, roughly? Twenty. You got a twenty. I got a twenty. Snowbane's oh, gift is way way bigger than that. Than a ten foot radius. We physically I, would not. You would not be able to fit. Like you, you have like a, a gazillion people in there. I mean, you're not standing like sardines. I remember it was like an oversized land wagon. Well, it's got two layers. Uh, it yeah, it, it, it's 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 much larger than that. Um, it, I thought it, it was okay. a wagon that didn't make any. That couldn't actually. Move I mean, here's a, wagon a here's a fireball, a small building. That's a twenty foot radius. Yeah, yeah, but hey, I I can I can answer it if if you I I, I can. 
sketch it up. The point is, let's let's do what mock. Let's do what Eric was doing. He was in the middle of a roll. Yeah. I would like to finish uh, that. So mock, mock and then we will answer the, that. the the spyglass from oil vein and and gets a twenty four perception <laughs> as he scans the top of the tower for potential threats, uh, as well as assessing the integrity of the roof. Uh. It is indeed, um, it is indeed, there are some areas on that roof you would not want to set down. And uh, Mock's trained eye with the assistance of his, uh, of his spyglass, I mean oil vein spyglass, um, mm-hmm. he's <laughs> able to, uh, he's able to see some like orientations that you would not want to land where it looks fine, but Mock can tell by the, he can tell 10 feet away from the area, the way that the wall is like starting to crumble a bit, that means that there's like problems with the uh, with the ceiling work, you know, underneath uh, yeah, in, yeah. in these other areas. And so he's sort of like looking at the, the compounding effect. And But he's able to identify an area that he uh, is confident you could land on the roof and be safe. Mark grumbles and hands oil vein back the spyglass and he says, you better be there in a pinch. And then goes to talk to, to Dresden about like approaches and you know wind and where 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 we absolutely do not want to disturb nor end up with uh, any sort of kind of like significant load. Yeah, and Dresden is well versed as well, so he is knows where not to step on crumbling stone. So it kind of mocks um, observations. He's going to try to guide Grunbar towards part of the tower that could support the weight of their carriage. So Sam is much closer to right than I was thinking. My spatial sense is clearly way off. <laughs> yeah, that would be an enormous carriage. There. Let's say Here, it's I'm about that a big. I'm going to of a juggernaut. Right. We're, we're gonna, there we go. So it's about 20 by 35 feet is what we're saying. Three. Uh, in this uh, in this carriage, it's a little bit oval shaped, and, uh, and there you have deep. it. But it's very very tall. It's ridiculously yeah. tall um, because it's got two full floors in there. There. What do you think about that? And a ba- and a balcony. And Get an a balcony idea for around it. it. And a balcony around it. So maybe like the actual walkable space is bigger than the actual footprint. Yes, for sure. Because yeah, there is a. There's a probably a three foot balcony, four foot balcony, around the whole edge. I, I posted a something of a juggernaut in the Slack channel <laughs> to get an idea. It's a traditional Indian thing. It was a giant wagon that was people were drawn in front of and would not stop. And if you got in front of it, it would crush you. Gotcha. See, I think it's my thought is That's it's awesome. bigger than that. Bigger yeah. than that. I mean, remember yeah, I the whole thing was it, it was a the, wagon. The story was it, it engineering failure. It didn't function. It was. It was a. It was a. It was too big to fit on a road. It was. It was, yeah, it was yeah. Too, too big to fit on the roads. That's that's what it and was. The, and the roads were poor enough quality that it wouldn't work. Yeah. yeah. So, so with all that in mind, can we find a uh, his observations? My knowledge of ruins. Grumbar's skill in piloting. Yeah, yeah, you find a safe spot. Yeah, you sit down. Okay, sit down. Great. Uh, mock mock identified the uh, safe spot. It's not safe all around here, but uh, the balloon carefully comes in uh in the in the cover of night and uh as grimbar says easy easy and boom nice 
moderately, uh, moderately bumpy landing as it uh, sets down atop this tower. So Drusen runs to the balcony and he puts up a hand. He says, everybody, be still and quiet. And he takes out a small bag of sand, which he has had since character creation. <laughs> and he's going to hold it in his hands and then throw it out to the rooftop and look around and see if anything reacts to the movement of something smaller than a giant airship. Uh, see, <laughs> I, I missed the beginning. You He's said taken out a small bag of sand, which all sand. archaeologists start with. Yes. <laughs> archaeologist sand. For replacing classic, idols it, on altars. classic item. Yeah. So I, I missed what the sand is for. Sorry, I'm trying to... I am throwing it onto the rooftop ah, okay, to okay. see if it triggers any hidden enemies, traps, stuff like that. And then he's just casting his gaze about to see if he can see anything that would be dangerous. Yeah, I love it. So, yeah, he tosses it down. It goes thump right on the stone. And... Uh, I think it was a loose handful? Or would you just, like, throw the bag? No, the whole bag is sand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Strunkle it's the, leans it, over to Drustin and says, Master Green, has that ever worked? <laughs> he says, I, yeah, you kind of know how useful a bag of sand is. It's gotten me out of many a screen. It's fair. The first thing that Drustin sees <laughs> as he drops it down and looks around is he sees Prince. Amidst the uh, uh, amidst the dust and uh, what, what would it be what, if you're in the middle of the lake and it's the top of a tower? It would be bird shit, absolutely covered oh, with oh, bird yeah. shit. It would be covered in bird shit. So it's like white. It's white yeah, up here. It's like solid white, <laughs> and uh, he can see Just tracks. He can see tracks in it, uh, and uh, the birds have all flown away. Uh, when when the airship was coming in and like landing, there were some birds in like bird nests here, and they all like ah. took off in every direction. Uh, and what, you landed what, down, what, and, what, what. and you're seeing you're seeing some webbed footprints uh, heading towards uh, multiple of these uh, these t- two of the four uh, corner stairways, like a half fishman's footprints, like a. Like fish webbed or bird yeah, foot uh, webbed? Mock rim the scrim and says, Scrim. <clears throat> says, ah, look at those. Look at those prints. And he says, And no one touched those bird eggs. We'll need those <laughs> for dinner. And uh, Akua Toa would certainly be a, uh, uh, a reasonable assumption for the size and uh, shape of these footprints. But you see nothing on the roof at the moment. But then you hear echoing from down below just the slightest bit of wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll continue next week at that. Yes. Because uh, we're a bit over time here. So uh, That was amazing. Uh, that was so enjoyable. There we yeah. go. The tower. Really so who can say to help clean up? <laughs> uh, I got to go right away. Okay, yeah. now don't.